Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Write Brain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Write Brain podcast. This is your podcast where we discuss publishing, self-publishing, crowdfunded publishing specifically, and uh, a lot of stuff relating to the Inkshares platform. My name is Jeff Dubo. I'm the author of sci-fi novel, The Life Engineered, an upcoming fantasy horror novel, A God in the Shed. And with me is my co-host, Paul Inman, the fantastic author of the very soon-to-be-released book, Ageless. Paul, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Very, very soon-to-be-released. By the time you get this, you actually may have seen an update that I'll be posting. And if you have seen the update, it will say something like your ebook is probably now ready and your physical copy is on its way to you. So. Wait, 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 wait. So back up here. I know this from myself, my own experience, and the experience of others I've noticed, uh, such as the uh, glorious Derek Adams, I think Jim Daniel also, also, our two previous guests on, on this very program. And... One of the things about the digital release of our books that I think we've all experienced is that we're we're going about our normal day and everything's fine and there's no planned events when (laughs) suddenly we get an email from Inkshare saying, hey, by the way, your digital copies are getting released now-ish. So if you want to do an update, you might as well get on that. And you're (laughs) you're saying that you actually know in advance roughly when it's going to come out so that you can plan ahead? That yeah, sounds well, unfair. Well, you know, they're they're learning as they go along. After they told you, hey, JF, your book's going to be ready in five minutes, you know, and then they told um, Derek, in a couple hours, we're going to release it. Uh, so I got an email a couple days ago. It said, hey, um, actually yesterday, I should say. It said, hey, there's a chance that your ebook is coming very soon. And by very soon, we mean sometime early next week. So, you know. Right, uh, yeah. Avalon's trying to be more, you know, proactive and. and oh, uh, one thing I want to make clear: like, I'm and not. I do. I do not want to say that Inkshares and or Avalon are not like are 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 being bad towards us. Oh we, no, we, no, gosh. I mean, I I I have a good idea of the volume of work that they are um, they are dealing with. So I I know that they're not. Um, <laughs> it's not. Uh, I would say incompetence on their part that sometimes oh, no, they're last no. minute with these things. No, no, no. And I'm sure it comes down to like uh, somebody above them maybe going, hey, let's get this done today. You know what I mean? It's one of those deals. Or just like, oh, it's fine. Like they, they receive the email from the production company that the, 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 the book is ready and they don't want to waste time. I'm pretty sure if I had turned around and said, hey, Avalon, um, I'm not ready. Can you hold off on this for a day? She would have. It's just Probably she wouldn't have because, you know, she doesn't really like us very much. Well, I don't think she likes you, but <laughs> clearly I get along with um, my, uh, my co Look, she likes me well enough to... I'm not having this fight with you, Paul. <laughs> Why not, JF? Come on. Because I'm a <laughs> so, grown-ass adult, dude. Exactly, exactly. No, uh, yeah, so I got an email yesterday, and um, I think that if you are a backer, you'll be getting your stuff early next week, and the books, the physical books are in the warehouse they are there and so they'll be shipping them beginning next week i'm, I'm not sure exactly when next week but they'll start shipping them next week so I'm, I'm really like uh nervous but excited so there's that you know that is, that is very cool it is very cool and uh i actually received a um since our last podcast i've received a a couple of reviews on um goodreads 
from people and got an extremely positive review, which was amazing. And then I get a uh, review, which was not negative, but not super positive, like a, a middle of the road, a three star, right? Isn't that a five there system? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's a five uh, star, star system. So three star is very is middle of the road. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite reviews is a three star review that says the book is amazing and awesome and great. And yet it's just three stars. And, it, <laughs> and it's from a friend. Yeah, there you go. It was not me, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. It was not me. My review was amazing. Almost as good as the life engineer itself, actually. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> so so flattering. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. A, a, a oh, bit, I thought you meant... A bit I'm, disturbing. You know. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm okay with that review because the person who left it was really honest and they were like, listen, it was really cool blah, 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 and this and that. You know, you can go read it on Goodreads if you'd like. Listeners, I don't I don't know it by heart or anything. I read it once or twice, and, you know, I, I only slept, you know, like an hour after I thought about it over and over. And No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, those kind of reviews are going to exist because people are different from each other, and that's okay, and I'm all right with that. Uh, in fact, we were talking about reviews on something, some place that we talk to people. Where was that? In the Slack group? I think it was in the Slack group. Were we talking about reviews? No, no, it was on Twitter. That's what it was on. It was on Twitter where we were talking about reviews and contests for reviews, which we'll maybe we'll uh, talk about a little that a little bit later. And that was an interesting discussion because again, there was, was a, a uh, there was a lot of different point of view. Unfortunately, I was a I was at work at my new job. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, so congratulations! I, thank you. It's it's actually a very neat uh, place of employment, and uh, I get to be marketing director, which sound super impressive but it's really just doing normal day-to-day stuff but um the the it, it was an interesting discussion i don't know if you want to get into it now or or later but i mean as long as we brought it up might as well talk about it the yeah let's do it so the, the question was brought about i believe by jim mcdonald correct yeah yeah about so. mm-hmm. whether or not it was ethical to do contests to attract reviews to your for your book and, you know, I didn't participate much either because I was at work too. And, and when I'm at work, I, uh, occasionally I'll have a few minutes here and there to look at Twitter. So I did read along, but, uh, most of the time, you know, when I'm at work, I'm, I'm working, teaching the young minds for, you know, the next generation of, yes, yes, you're, our, you're being, my, my you're being amazing and, and doing, uh, <laughs> and you're directing work. markets, right? Yeah. Something I'm, like I'm, that. Right? Yes. I'm, and I'm, well, what, look, I work for an ecologically, uh, a, a producer of ecologically friendly cleaning materials. So awesome. I think, I think I'm doing my part for the world also. There you go. You are. So this world. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, <laughs> stay, staying on subject. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, so, where did you land on that question? Because a lot of people had different opinions, and I, I know I have an opinion that I want—I don't want to say is controversial, but might be a little to the to the side of what might be popular for this. Uh, well, I didn't participate much in the discussion, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I understand the need. Or, or the desire to maybe want to do a contest for reviews. But I kind of tend to lean toward, you know, maybe it should be organic. But at the same time, the reviews are what gets you a little bit extra exposure. And when you are early in your careers, like most of us are uh, in our in our writing careers, the, I understand the, the desire to want to go that route. Now, the only problem with that is it, it ends up possibly looking like you are 
quote unquote, buying your reviews, I guess, maybe. Um, but it depends on the kind of contest you run, really. Like if you were running a contest where you say, listen, every 10 reviews, I'm going to randomly select someone and send them a free, I don't know, book or, or a free bookmark or, you know, I don't know, something, you know, um, that might be a little bit more fair in my mind. I, I'm not sure. I really I haven't given a lot of thought about that kind of stuff yet. Well Yet, but I, I will be, you know. I think the line gets drawn when you're uh, between are you encouraging reviews in general or are you encouraging you know, five-star reviews? And that's what I'm saying. Like when it's more a little more organic and more, more natural or when you have a contest just, you know, hey, the like I said, the example I said, you know, it seems like you're not really saying, hey, give me a five-star review. You're just saying when we hit the certain threshold, we're going to give away something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in, in, in a way that is probably the cleanest, uh, most mm-hmm. ethical way of going about it. And and this this is where I defer. Like I try, I, I consider myself a very ethical person when it comes to to the marketing of products. And one of my biggest weaknesses is the fact that I do not like to tell people my product is great. I don't feel confident that the level of confidence to speak that highly of what I do. Not that I don't believe it. I feel I feel that what I write is at the very least entertaining, if not, you know, compelling. But to be able to tell someone directly, this is how I feel about my own things, feels very narcissistic. Well, you know, the self self doubting writer or or any creator of anything. I mean, it, you're always going to have that uh, that yeah, twinge. Yeah, the, you know the, what I mean. The imposter syndrome. Right. Right. And uh, I actually I saw something that was pretty interesting the other day. Um, I can't remember what it was on some some social media, but it was just a little saying that was like and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of um, those who are. The and again, paraphrasing uh, most the best at what they do usually have self doubts and those who are not good at things are usually really overconfident and you know, I thought that was an interesting um, thing to read. I was like, hmm, I never thought about it that way, I guess. Uh, I, I, I tend to not very much like this kind of generalization because mm-hmm. it sort of implies and it that... it totally is. Yeah, and it sort of implies, oh, no, if, if you're confident what you did, it's probably not good, which is not true. There are probably, I mean, there are probably artists and there are products that I've come, that I've made that I look and I say, oh, I did good. This is good. Maybe I lucked out, but this is good. Does that mean mm-hmm. that because I think it's good, it's not? No, not at all. I'm, I'm not a fan of generalizations like that because I, I know that the goal is to make those that are uncertain more confident in what they do. Mm-hmm. But the, it, it, the, the people who come up with some of these sayings don't look at how it might impact the, the rest of, their, of, of the audience. And you're, you're totally right. And again, like if I was reading it word for word, it, it spoke to me. It better because you know I, I was reading it right there and it made a better a power more powerful message i was just kind of trying to remember because this was like psh, i don't know a week ago or something and i was like wow that kind of just kind of it stuck out to me i was like interesting way to put it is kind of what i was thinking but i agree when you generalize like that and you group everybody together it's just it never it never represents anyone well any either side you know so however there is one thing that is good about the message and and, and i think it's worded wrong Mm-hmm. There, there is a, I would say, a uh, an el- evolutionary advantage to lacking confidence in what you create, in the sense that the moment I will write a book and go, this book is perfect, I do not need to improve anymore, 
I will stop improving. And if I stop improving, that means I stop learning and I don't evolve as an artist anymore. That is bad. So that is bad. There is, there is an advantage. It's, 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 it's a bit of a, it's a weird situation because I think the message should be more, and we're really, we're, we're stepping away a bit from the subject, but just to put a cap <laughs> yeah, on it, I, I think the message should be more learn to, to, to learn to accept, embrace, and manage your doubts about your work. Yep, and that is difficult to do, easy to say, difficult to do. This, sorry, I'm uh, just fair warning no to the listeners. I have a cold, so I will be coughing and sniffling on occasion, <laughs> and I apologize. No, exactly. It's it's one of those things that, oh, now that you say it that way, it sounds super easy, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's very difficult to actually do. So going going back to contests, um, you want you want to know where I land on that for review? Yeah, for review. So where where is it that you land on on this? Because I'm sure that it's going to be somewhere different than a conversation took us, right? On, um, on Twitter, a little. Because yes. well, I know okay. I, ex- I expressed my view on, on Twitter. I, I didn't go into detail. Oh yeah, that's I didn't right. Have yeah, time right. to really bite into it. So I'm to, sorry, I the, forgot. The, the bottom line for me is I am probably too lazy and or busy to make to to to, to come up with a contest for reviews. I should. I know it's something that I will probably look into preparing better for in when my next book gets published, because I believe that anything that encourages reviews is good because there are some some you know mathematical advantages to getting more reviews. I will never run a contest that encourages uh, or or rewards five star reviews above other reviews. Like if I do a contest, I'll do exactly what you did. Like ten reviews, I will randomly pick someone and if i randomly pick someone that you know gave me a one-star review so be it i'll live with that however i will never shy away when asking for reviews from very strongly saying hey if you want to give me a four or five star reviews absolutely do it if you want to give me a one-star review how about you don't and email me instead so i can get detailed one-on-one criticism from you without you kicking my ratings on Amazon in the balls. And the reason the reason for that <laughs> is the reason for that is that getting your rating lowered because a one star review when you have a five star or four star average can really lower your average and it can hurt. And it can hurt for the wrong reasons because it could be a one star review from someone, "Oh yeah, I don't like science fiction." Well, I don't I don't believe the book should get knocked down in average, because the wrong reader read the book. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. So that, that's why, to a certain degree, and it might sound disingenuous, it might sound unethical, and I will totally own up to it, but I believe that managing your reviews to make sure that the reviews that you get are reviews about the book and not just a mismatch of reader and, 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 and novel is is important and kind of our job as as you know, burgeoning and starting writers. I totally agree. And um, I, I I get why that you would rather have them directly contact you because you want to grow, you want to improve. And sometimes, uh, probably, I don't know, let's just say, let's keep it at sometimes, um, the negative reviews have at least a little bit of justification sometimes. And that will help you grow as um, as a, as a writer, as a as a creator of things, and as an artist, um, you know. And it will help push you in the direction. But 
the hard part in my in this is my opinion, but the hard part is to dig through that and to figure out what is absolutely like being um, uh, constructive criticism rather than just criticism. Because, you know, you get to a point or I, I get to a point where it's like, man, am I doing this because someone else is going to think it's neat or am I doing it because I feel like that this is what the story is or this is where the story is taking me? Because I can tell you that the one thing that sticks out in my mind of the of the uh, very few reviews that I actually have for Ageless so far is about the actual end of the story. And I'm thinking about the end of the story. And I'm like, I'm, by the way, this is not a negative or a positive thing on the end of the story. It is just a thing. Both reviews that I have received so far mention the end of the story. So um, uh, the the thought process behind that is, okay, did I do something that could be have been done differently or did I do what I felt like the story was leading me to do? And in, and my answer is going to be that this is what the story led me to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I absolutely I absolutely understand. So you have to dig through and figure out which criticism is actually constructive and how you can learn and grow from that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's 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 a very difficult process because you have to you have to be, first of all, comfortable accepting the criticism. And like you say, you have to see it through the lens of what your intentions were. Right. Um, a, a good example would be if you wrote a dramatic story that has a, a terrible ending and you get a, a review of someone who is angry at the way you end the story, maybe that's the result you were aiming for. If you were aiming to shock the public, if you were right. aiming for people, like if you're, if you created characters and you wanted and you kill off an important character and it makes your reader sad, some readers will look at that, read and say, five star review. You, you perfectly managed to control my emotions to tell your story adequately. But some people will take it personally and say, you, you made me fall in love with this character and then you took it away. You're, uh, you're just coming to the earth and you should die. Here's a one star review. But at the end, at the end of the day, both scum of the earth, <laughs> both yeah. But at the end of the day, both the five star review and the one star review, even though they give you completely different ratings on Amazon, they're both saying the same thing. You succeeded in doing what you're trying to do, right? Which you know, in in that case, would be have an emotional reaction, which is hopefully what you're trying to do. Have some kind of connection with people. At least that's what I think in my mind. Um, for example, and uh, this is, well, no, I won't get into that. But I want to actually switch gears just a slight little bit. We'll go back to the review thing where we're talking about um, getting the reviews and the five stars and keeping the less than stellar reviews maybe out of your Amazon page. I did a little bit of research um, uh, about the reviews after we were talking about it that day or after on Twitter we had the conversation that day. Um, I was looking at the books that uh would be considered successes maybe on on ink shares right you know what i mean and i noticed that you for the life engineer have a ton of reviews which is fantastic man congratulations um i don't think you're that far away from having just as many reviews as uh what would be considered success stories which I, is a I good like, thing I because like it gives you more i like to consider the life engineered as a bit of a success story Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Absolutely. I'm not saying that's not what I meant. I meant that like, um, well, I'll just put it to you this way. Like you look at like abominations reviews and you look at the life engineers reviews 
And uh, you actually only have one less review than he does. And I believe and I have to double check because I can't remember because I did this a few days ago. I believe that your actual rating is around the same or if Life Engineer might even be higher. I have to go to Amazon. I just can't remember right now off the top of my head. What, um, not that the actual number percentage matters all that much, but it gives you the, um, uh, the, the extra exposure once you get up into those amounts of reviews, which brings me to my point here. Ageless needs to get some reviews. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to, not going to lie. This, lie. I gotta... knew this was going to swing back to you uh, eventually. Okay. So, so just, just, just <laughs> first of all, reviews are a lot harder to get before the book is out. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, I I am one review behind Gary Widow's fantastic book Abomination, and I am point two uh, uh point two stars ahead of him uh, as far as the the reviews are concerned. This means Jack, <laughs> right? Then that's what I was getting at. It doesn't mean a lot other than the amount of exposure that you will get on websites like Amazon. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, the the thing is, it's very one of the things that's rather important and. It is, I, I don't want to say a failure on my part, on Gary's part, on anybody else's part, is there is a distinct advantage. And I've talked about how uh, a certain amount of reviews will switch things on in the system at, a, at Amazon, where when you get to, say, uh, say 50 reviews, you, you suddenly appear in, a, in other people's suggested reading list. At 100 reviews, apparently, from what I understand, you start appearing uh, in suggested books on the Amazon newsletter, which is great. So there, there is a definite advantage to very strongly encouraging your readers to leave reviews. And it's hard because leaving a review is a pain in the, it's a pain in the butt and you need people to you know actually write something. And, and the, uh, author Andrew Main is actually very good at getting uh, his writer, his, his readers to leave reviews by what he'll do. He'll, he'll re- pre-release books to people on his mailing list, making sure that people have read the book before the release. Um, and basically all he has to say, like, you can get like, just sign up for my mailing list. I'll send you the book in whatever format you need it. And all I ask is that on release, you leave me a review. It's, it's a very good deal. It's a loss leader for him because he makes no money off the books that he right. gives away like that. And he, I think he's given away like 500 uh, book copies of one of his books that way. Wow, Station break, I believe. Yeah. Holy and cow, but, awesome, well, they're, awesome. they're digital copies, but still, but mm-hmm. If you go, let me just check really quickly. I believe Station Breaker has maybe 300 reviews. And that's fantastic. And while you're looking at that, um, the other uh, really... 109 reviews. Well, what I was going to say is uh, the other really, um, I don't know, successful may not be the best way to put this about any of the books on Inkshares. Not that they're not successful, but I mean, I just can't think of a better term right now. Um, it's it's hard, it's hard to... Actually, the cookbook, yes. you know what I'm saying? yes. They, they, your your they favorite have... cookbook. You were telling me before the uh, you were telling me before the show <laughs> that you had uh, you and your wife had had lunch from a book, uh, a cookbook published by a friend, and I believe that was from uh, that was that friend Melissa Parker who wrote Herb, right? <laughs> no, but which is explains why you're having certain memory problems and uh, difficulty remembering <laughs> a few facts here and there. But sure, it's, it's sure, cool. sure, it's fine. It you're you're in Colorado, aren't you? No, uh, yeah, I'm right beside Colorado. You know, you know how the United States works. All the states are right. You know, we all touch. You know, yeah, exactly. Saying? There's there's just one state. Exactly, one giant state. Anyway, um, 
So they uh they're sitting at 119 reviews. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean there's these thresholds that even the most successful quote unquote books on ink shares um are still, you know, barely receiving or or you know coming close to. So when I tell everyone that I want Ageless to have 100 reviews, I do realize that that is a a, a very very like extremely like difficult goal to get. You know, not impossible, but just difficult. And anyway, so he's given away 500 copies. Is that what you're saying? Um, I believe he was basically he gave away better read copies to anybody that wanted to give him comments. And he was mentioning on his podcast that he got at least 500 people volunteering. Now, I'm I don't I don't know if I should assume whether or not he did give that many copies away or if he only selected a few, maybe 100 of people from that list. But there's no denying the fact that for a guy, the Station Breaker is a self-published novel, so it's okay. not like he has a marketing machine like uh, like Inkshare behind to help get reviews and things like that. So he's relying entirely on his own platform. Now, granted, Andrew has a great platform; he works very well at maintaining it. Um, but he still managed to climb to a hundred, over a hundred uh, reviews very quickly on on a self-published book like that. Well, uh, yeah, you know what? I think that I think we should wrap up here so we can move on to our our book picks. But um, in closing, like with the as far as the contest review contest, I think that if you do it right, I think it can work for you and uh, you could, you know, not be seen as being unethical. And I'm considering doing something like that for Ageless because like, you know, by the time you hear this, hopefully you'll already know your book is shipping and your ebook is downloading and you're already five chapters in, you know what I'm saying? So, um, reviews, obviously important, but, uh, contests, you know, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I might, I might do something. The, well, I, I know I didn't do a contest. I don't regret it. I, I believe it is, it might, and I, I don't have anything to back this up, but I think it's more efficient to just, plainly ask your your readers to go review your book start with your start going one-to-one with your super readers if you will like the people who order multiple copies your brand ambassadors you know your, your diehard fans just go one-to-one to them and say hey i hope you like the book you helped me out a lot that is awesome can you write a review also go okay. go back to your better readers go back to everybody that's read the book before it even came out and ask him, like, can you put down a review? And what's interesting about reviews is that you'll get them in batches. And the more reviews you have, the more people are tempted to leave reviews. So getting that kind of initial 10 to 20 reviews is very important so that you can have that foundation so that people can feel confident leaving more reviews. And if you're good at making contests, by all means, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. As long again as you don't say like, oh, if you leave me a five star review, you get a you know you get a raffle ticket, and the winner of the raffle gets two hundred dollars. That I feel is a bit is is unethical. Like obviously you I I say I as much as I prone discouraging negative reviews because it doesn't serve the book or the book's fans very well. I don't think rewarding positive reviews is the answer either. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, stay in this ethical 
I don't know, maybe not gray area, but try to stay in, you know, I don't know. It's it's t- everybody's different. I mean, everybody's different. You're going to make your own choices and and it's hard to say what's right and wrong sometimes in these kind of situations. Uh, I mean, I guess it's not hard. Obviously, you don't want to bribe people. Yeah, and it, you know? it's, it's, it's difficult because it's a very competitive environment. So it's very difficult to make enough noise to be noticed with how many books are being published. There's two million books, new books are being published every year. That is an immense quantity of books that you need to, to beat. And I, by beat, I don't mean like sell more, but basically if you, want, if you want people to know that your book exists, you need to make more noise than, two, than you know, almost 200 million other books. And for that, that means that you need to make sure that your book doesn't have too low a rating. And you've got to remember that it's not just for you. Like To, to be honest, the, the, the amount of books I've sold, if there's a 10% difference in my sales, it affects my bottom line almost none because I don't sell that high a number. I'm not Andy Weir where I sell a million copies. If you take mm-hmm. if you take away 10%, that's 100,000 copies. You take away 10% of my sales, it's not a huge deal. However, if you get my rating too low or I don't have enough reviews, that means the book gets less visibility. That means that somewhere, someone who may love this book may not hear about it. And that bothers me significantly more than not getting a few, a few dollars here and there because I get less sales. Like I've mentioned very often, I'm at the stage in my career where it is not about money. It's about making sure that I build an audience and I get my stories to the people who like my stories. And the idea of not managing my reviews sufficiently so that the, this kind of, of, of visibility that some people who may love my book don't hear about it. I mean, imagine it. What's, what's your favorite book, Paul? My very favorite? Fifty Shades of Grey. Fine. Imagine, <laughs> okay. if, imagine if for some reason you had never heard of Fifty Shades of Grey and you couldn't get that kind of enjoyment of being able to bring all that, that fresh, edgy, weird knowledge back to the bedroom uh, with you from reading <laughs> that book. How, oh my how, gosh. Dis- how disappointed would you be? I have never read that, so I don't know. But I understand what you're saying. Um, it's you're right, and I mean, like at this point, we don't. Uh, nice, we don't. Uh, um, what am I trying to say here? We don't. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to say the exact same thing that you did, but really, the ultimate goal here is I'm not going to be, you know, able to quit my je- my day job yet you know, from doing this. So, I mean, the more readers that I can build, the better. And then later on, eventually, maybe I can quit my day job from and do this as my day job. But right now, it's more about exposure. And you don't want your exposure to be limited because someone who doesn't like science fiction or fantasy or whatever your genre is um, writes a review that is no is no good, you know? Exactly. So it's... So it's, it's- Nice. It's a complex thing because it's easy to look like the, the greedy jerk that's just trying to get more sales and wants to like fake his reviews. But at the same time, you need to service the book and you need to service the audience by not allowing the book to suffer too much from getting the wrong reviews from the wrong people. But I, I think we're starting to repeat ourselves. So yes, let's, move, let's move on to, the, to our next segment. Paul. All right. Books. Yes, we picked some books this week. Um, to tell you about, and I guess I'll start it out here. Um, 
Now, we've been doing this for a while now, since what, uh, November-ish or something like that. So we're looking at six, seven months, six or seven months that we've been doing this. And um, it's kind of funny when JF have our little pre-show, we are going, okay, so here's the book that I'm thinking about doing. And then we start going, wait, didn't we talk about this book? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if we actually like officially talked about it. So this is where we are now. So the book that I picked, we may have said something about in the past, but I'm making it my official pick. And I chose this particular book because it just hit the fully funded um, threshold on Inkshares all on its own. No contests, nothing. Well, I don't want to say nothing behind it because obviously some some powerful uh, promoting was definitely behind it. Um, and it is called These Are My Friends on Politics by Mr. Billy O'Keefe. So uh, politics right now in our in uh, the United States, in the country that I live in, not nice. JF. So are, much fun. Are definitely just a new form of, you know, reality TV right now. But this book is actually kind of uh, poking fun at that kind of stuff, I think, anyway. That, that's one thing that drew me to this book and that, that I like about this book a lot. So um, I want to tell you a little bit about it. So it, it says right on the cover, a child's, books, a child's book for adults who occasionally act like one. So um, it's also illustrated by Billy O'Keefe, too. So this is a, a, picture, a picture book, I guess. Is that what you would call it? An illustrated book. Um, and it's... Uh, not super long, but illustrated books usually aren't completely, you know, giant books. 51 pages is what it's uh, looking at right now. And it's just really cool. Like his um, his page has changed over to the new format for those of you that are not uh, aware of the new format for funded books. And um, by the way, I, I like the new layout for the funded books. So I don't know how many people... Are, have funded books that listen, but if you yours is not yet funded, go to one of the funded books and check out the the new layout. If uh, I say new, but it was been what a couple weeks since they changed it changed it over. So anyway, um, his uh, actual page is is filled with examples from the book, and they're comical, and the artwork is really good. I think it's really nice, really neat, and it's really like kind of like on the nose, like with what politics are right now for our country, um, for the United States. So I'll read a little bit about a little bit about this for you. It happens every day, often without warning. Normal, grown adults, completely capable ones who do things like work in an office, pay bills on time, and help their children with their homework, engage in a discussion, often by accident, about politics. At least it starts as a discussion. More often than anyone cares to admit, it descends into an argument, a blowout, and eventually a volleyball match of personal attacks and insults, these bill-paying, job-working, homework-helping, ostensibly fully together adults didn't even know they had in them. If you haven't been that person, you likely have met, befriended, worked with, crossed the street to avoid, unfollowed, been related to, or perhaps even married that person. You'll know soon enough, because during election season, that person is about as hard to avoid as the politicians they're arguing about. If you don't know if you are that person or not, you might be that person. Sorry you had to find out this way. Uh, so I think it's just an interesting uh, idea. It's just a really fantastic like idea that's poking fun at uh, how people act. Because people do get crazy about politics in the U.S. and I'm sure in Canada too, right? 
Um, I don't know a lot about Canadian politics, although I know that the last... Well, the last neither person, do most Canadians. Oh, really? The last person is not completely loved? I'm not sure. Is that right? Um, you know, you're talking about our, who new, you are. our new prime minister. Yes, the uh, last th- vote. There's, there's, prime there's a bit of... Like our, our previous prime minister was was loathed and detested, but he had been there for so long that it's very it's very hard to uh, to, to say anything positive from someone who's been in office for that long. And the, the the thing is, the 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 common trend is to say that he has brought our country to ruin, and then you step outside and you notice, oh, the country's not ruined. So Canadian politics that happens here a lot too. <laughs> yeah, Canadian politics are kind of weird because we act as if they have a huge impact on on what happens on our day to day lives. But I have people like I have a lot of friends who will talk very at, at length about uh, how like the, the latest leader or latest politics or latest thing has completely destroyed Canada, and then they'll hop into their Audi and drive away. So it's how do I say we're we're a very we're we're a somewhat prosperous country that likes to complain. <laughs> Thank you for teaching me about Canadian politics. I, I the thing. Like I could go into depth about a few things, and I certainly am not in love with our previous um, political leaders. But at the same time, I I, I also have a, a very strong distrust of politics in general, and I don't I don't want us to spend our time on that. No, no, no. That's okay. We don't have to. But um, as far as the book is concerned, it's really like. Uh, it's funny, man. I like I like it because the illustrations are well done. I mean, they're they're um, more of a cartoony than a realistic kind of of look. But I mean, that's what you expect when you when you'd be flipping through these pages where you see like people getting along, and then on the next page, they're not getting along, and their eyeballs are like shooting out of their head, and they're like volcanoes and such. You know, they they're exploding. And uh, I just think it's a a fun a fun kind of way to to. Uh, for our political season here in the United States to kind of like um, get this book and you get to kind of laugh along instead of, you know, stressing out because there's a lot of people who are stressed out here. I don't know if you noticed, but they uh, make bad choices and then it's one bad choice after another. So this is kind of refreshing for me to read and just be like, ha, that's funny. And, you know, you just get to laugh, laugh along. So that's the pick that I made. And again, he just funded. Um, we're recording this two days after, I believe, or so. Four days, five days, something like that, um, since he funded. So, And he fully funded now. Um, we we have the uh, privilege of being in a, a Slack group with Mr. Billy O'Keefe. And uh, the question has come up over the last few days, how'd you do it? So, I mean... The number one answer answer for any of us usually is, you know, personal, uh, personally asking people to back your your work. I think that that is the one that works. The one out on one of one approach seems to be the most effective because it is like I say, we tend to say, oh, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll post something on Facebook. And that is super nice. And that is a good, a nice gesture. But it's potential impact is very limited because a lot of people don't read uh, that kind of posts on social media. Right. And I mean, you know, uh, the one-on-one method is what worked best for me um, when I was funding Ageless. I don't know. Is that what uh, I would assume that that's what worked best for you too, JF, for both of your books at this point? Absolutely. Well, let's not call the second book a success yet. Well, it is... Well, we can say it's not fully funded, but I still would say that's not unsuccessful. I mean, I still think it's a success because it's uh, 
you know, you have over 500 pre-orders, right? 550 something pre-orders. I'm that's, that's a, a 555 as of this recording, which is that funny. Is a lot. Here's a mathematical in you know a fun little fact that's absolutely irrelevant. 555 pre-orders is 222 percent of your quill goal. Yes, so you've made quill twice. Yes, is that what you're saying? But I'm ambitious and greedy, Paul. Also, I, I know I, I I have a variety of very complex reasons. Maybe we can talk about that after we're done with our recommendations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have a variety of reasons why I really want to see God in the Shed uh, fund, and and we'll get to that when we when we talk about it in more details. Yeah, yeah. Well, the point that I was making is that um, the one-on-one is clearly for most people the best way to to reach your goal, and that's exactly what Billy Ke- Billy O'Keefe. Um, had mentioned when we asked him, hey, what, what, how are you doing this? And he's just out there asking people and he's making, uh, he made a really nice, um, uh, what are those called? Info, infographs. Is that what it's called? Infograph? Yeah. So um, he made a really nice one of those that really explained what Inkshares was, explained what the book was, explained how it works, all this stuff. And that's what he would, he would give to people and he would talk to people and say, here, here's what, here's the whole thing. If you don't understand what I'm talking about here, it is the whole thing. And it was reasonably, you know, short, short enough you could read. It was about a page long. If it was a PDF, I guess um, it'd be about a page or maybe two. Um, And it was, I mean, obviously it worked. He started this out at this point. I think he started out right at the beginning of the year, January, early January. And by, um, you know, very quickly, he hit the quill goal very quickly. And uh, I I vaguely remember that he was saying that the quill goal would have been awesome. But since he hit it really early, he was like, let's keep pushing, you know? Oh, absolutely. So if you haven't checked it out yet, these are my friends on politics by Mr. Billy O'Keefe. Pick up a copy. And a matter of fact, it's it's showing on InkShares right now that the ebook is only going to be $3.99 which is a fantastically low price. But I would say go ahead and get the paperback. He's reached the full goal. You're going to get uh what does he what does he get with the full goal? Does he he gets to go out there and sign, right? He gets a uh, well, he he gets nothing. He gets to he gets well, to write a book. Good job. You yes. have a, good job. You <laughs> Congratulations. Have a second, second job. Yes. You get a second job. You win quote unquote. Um however his supporters <laughs> who bought physical copies will be getting First of all, they get early access to the ebook the same way as any as the, those who pre pre-ordered the ebook. But the those who get physical copies will get signed and potentially numbered copies. So this is sort of limited edition stuff. So if you're yeah, if you're first run, yep. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, for anybody here that's either helping an author try to fund on Inkshare or is an author funding on Inkshare, feel free to mention that basically the if you're ordering at the funding stage, you're getting a limited edition copy of something. And oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying everybody that's publishing with Inkshare is, is going to be publishing the next Harry Potter, but how, how would you like to have been someone who got, who, who has a signed numbered copy of Patrick Rothfuss first book or Brandon mm-hmm. Sanderson's first book? It's you. You never know, especially with ink shares, where we're we're very. Um, it's easy to get to start following multiple authors. Like I've, I have ordered a ton of books, and I mean, I'm I'm essentially playing the odds that at some point someone's going to hit it big, and I'm going to have a, a signed early copy from them. So it's it's very much a selling point that I I think sometimes we tend to forget. Yeah. So which which book did you uh, which book did you bring to the table this week? Paul, let me tell you a story. 
Okay. It's a story of my local writing group here in Montreal. Is it going to be a long story? I got things. To no, do. you don't have anything to do, Paul. You told yeah, me. I just have a book coming out, you know. No, when, no when, big we, deal. when we scheduled this afternoon, you said <laughs> I'm free anytime after 1 p.m. So I know you've got plenty of time. I do. I, I will. Do. I will try to make it quick because I respect our listeners. <laughs> we can't do that. You know that. <laughs> no, I respect the listeners. The listeners are awesome. They listen. Oh, that's not what I meant. Making it quick. We can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope we can. So anyways, um, <laughs> now that you've lengthened this story instead of making it shorter, <laughs> your shenanigans. So basically, I'm part of a writing group that started, it, it was birthed a few years ago from our local NaNoWriMo group. And we decided, uh, a few of us decided NaNoWriMo is, is all well and good, but we want to write all year long. So we started doing our, our little like writing meet and meetings and going meeting at ch- coffee shops. And at one point we did, instead of writing, we decided to sort of do a, a roundtable critique thing which I dreaded and didn't want to do, but I did it anyways because you kind of have to get used to doing unpleasant things if you want to get feedback and improve upon your craft. And this was a, on that day, we had a few people. We had Amanda Baldwin, who's, a, who's currently funding a Traveler's Cup, which if you go to her page, you'll notice like there's a ton of medals on top. I know, right? Collections and staff picks and all sorts of stuff I, I don't have, which makes me jealous. And uh, there was also uh, Christopher Huang. I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name pr- correctly. Probably am not. Doesn't matter. So we, we all... It's kind read, of our thing. We just ruin everybody's name. Uh, we ruin everything, <laughs> period. So um, we, we, we did our little round table and we all read each other's like uh, a bit of a short story or an intro from someone. And we all read a sample, a sample chapter from... Uh, Christopher's ongoing work. She's been writing a lot of short stories about a character called Eric Peterkin. And I, I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think I can. When we finished reading his sample, a lot of us probably felt like quitting because Christopher is a very talented author. Um, he writes in an extremely classical style. Like none, none of what would be considered like some of the, the more modern um, ways of breaking with tradition. His, his style is clean. It is very literate. It is very expressive and descriptive. And for a guy who has, to my knowledge, not published a, a damn thing yet, it is polished work. So his book that he's currently funding on Inkshares, and he gave himself a very pessimistic timeline of he, he's got 297 days left. Um, <laughs> but A lot of time there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor as a guy who hangs out with Christopher on occasion. Try to get him funded faster so I don't have to listen, hear about this too long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to help the guy. And Christopher is a great guy. He is super generous with his time. He is, um, he's got a very wry, sarcastic sense of humor. Um, but he, he, like, I, I want to see his book in production less than have to push his book for him for another year. And since he's already got 126 uh, pre-orders done and he's, he's well on his way to his quill goal, I don't, I don't think he's going to have that much trouble, especially if you take a few moments to read his, uh, read his samples. So uh, let me read a bit uh, about the book. It's November 1924, and Patrick Benson is the newest member of the Veterans Club, a gentleman's club in London. He seems like a fairly stupid fellow, 
but Eric Peterkin suspects he might be putting on an act. The day after they meet, Benson is found in the vault of the club, stabbed to death with the club president's letter opener. Eric soon determines that the police have no intention of pursuing the matter as thoroughly as they ought, and, being of a rather quixotic bent, takes it on himself to uncover the truth. I mean, who uses quixotic in just the about the book? Even if it means putting off the work he's actually being paid to do, no, scratch that, especially if it means putting off the work he's being paid to do. So um, he's got a small short description of Eric Peterkin, which is his character. He's been working on this character for years. Uh, Eric Peterkin is the hero of the story, an idealistic young man who, as the story begins, feels a little ashamed of not having proven himself on the battlefield of Flanders. He's unaware of the full price some of his peers have had to pay and are still paying for that proof. He dreams of being a knight in shining armor, though it's a little late in history to be questing for the Holy Grail. It's not too late to go questing for the truth. And maybe that's the same thing in the end. Uh, Christopher has four, like he's got a prologue in three chapters already on, on this page. He's got a very well-designed project page. Um, with little headers for each of the sections like honestly i I, i'm a designer and i could probably take a take some clues from how he did this for my for future projects i mean i'm I'm always trying to learn and if if you're like the only thing i would change i would put his about the book above his patronage section but his patronage section is interesting and this is something I, i guess in a way i'm sort of proud of my local author friends for doing this because if you go to uh, amanda baldwin's page you'll notice that one of the things she's done is she's associated herself with a a charity and she'll be giving i think it's 25 percent of her royalties to that charity and christopher is doing a very similar thing where after 250 pre-orders he's going to donate one dollar for each new pre-order up to the end of his campaign to Shedoris, which is a local women's shelter here in, Montre- here in Montreal. At four fifty, he's going to increase that to two dollars, and at six hundred, uh, he's going to increase that to three dollars per copy. So you can see that, apart from me, who clearly am an evil, selfish, greedy bastard, um, <laughs> ev- everyone that's trying to fund the book in Montreal is trying to do so in a way that better is their uh, that bears their, their community. I think that just through peer pressure alone, uh, should I try to fund a third book, I'm going to have to do something similar, and which uh, means I'm probably going to try to donate m- money to Mira because uh, I like dog and dogs, and I'm afraid of being blind. <laughs> Good reasons. Good reasons. I know it's uh, all, it's all about me. Let me ask you. Let me ask you something. This is a little off the subject, but how many other people are in your writing group? It varies a lot. We had like we were a bit more numerous until the two uh, the two girls that are hailed from France moved back to France, oh. and we had we we had someone else, uh, some someone from California that moved back to California. But then we have new people that added themselves. One of our members that I think attended two of our meetings uh, is currently studying in England. So it's it's very very much like Montreal itself. It's a very mixed group, and by that nature, it means that we have a lot of coming and going. Okay. Do you, uh, do you, do we, are there any other people from your group on InkShares currently? Not yet, but there are, I look, I, I will completely take a hundred percent credit for Amanda and Christopher being on InkShares <laughs> because I have been hounding them to do so and encouraging them to do so. And basically every time, every time I had the opportunity to say, Hey, look at what it's done for me. It can do the same for you. Well, almost the same for you. I mean, 
I'm me. No, wow. I, 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 I was, I was wow. nowhere near as <laughs> I, I can't pull off conceited for very long. Uh, no, no, I, I, I mean, both of the, both of these guys are super good authors. So I really wanted them to see them on ink shares. Um, especially Amanda that I, I, I mean, no, not just especially Amanda. I mean, these are both people that have been writing for, for, for so long. I, I wanted to see them do something more than just wait for an opportunity, but actually create their opportunity. And that's what I'm seeing them do. And there, there are other people on the, in Montreal that I think should do the same. So one of the things I like to say is like, even if you don't fund your book, the experience of trying it, you will, be, you will find a few readers. And that's, that's already a good step in the right direction. It's a fantastic step. So I guess ultimately what I'm trying to what I'm trying to ask you here is do you think Montreal is becoming Ink Shares Canada? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the the polite version that's trying to help the community? Um I, I wouldn't say that because saying that uh, Montreal would be Ink Shares Canada would mean that Ink Shares is uh Montreal's America. And I think InkShares is being led in a very rational, very progressive manner. Uh, it's it's it looks to the future. It adapts worldwide. Yes, exactly. No, I I I I, I think I think InkShares is doing better than America. Oh, InkShares is doing better than America. To okay, all right. I I'm not going to touch that because you know we already did our political stuff. You know, I'm just kidding. I, I, I want to stay away from <laughs> politics. I. I, I love American politics. They're super entertaining. Yeah, well, I'm glad that we um, entertain you over here, and you're where you're dumb. Where you're dumb neighbors to the south, right? <laughs> no, that's that. That that is that is how stupid people perceive uh, the international relationship between Canada and the United States. Yeah, it's I, you it's, know it's, I'm it's just more, totally it's more tongue in cheek all this stuff here. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, I was just uh, just making a joke anyway. But I just think I think it's great actually that you got these people from your writing group um, to participate here on Ink Shares because really that's what it's about. We want to see it grow. We want to see this expand. We do this podcast because we're hoping that by by you know um, nature of this podcast can help expand and can help uh, some people get some find some readers and find an audience and and get your books out there and and you know some small way get our own books out there a little bit more you know <laughs> no absolutely and do you do you mind if i use this as a stepping stone to talk about why i'm i'm driving so hard to get god in the shed finance to, to 750 and not just sort of being happy with 250 yeah no absolutely go ahead okay so i'm i'm, I'm going to try to keep it short because we're already running a little long but essentially Right now, I'm in the last few days. By the time people are, are listening to this, there's probably going to be about 10 days left to my campaign on Ink Shares for A God in the Shed. And I currently, as we're recording, I still he need um, roughly 100, uh, two, uh, 195 copies to get the full funding. It's going to be a long haul. It's going to be difficult, but I'm, I'm pulling, it, pulling out all the stops. Um, let me just explain what, what I am doing. Um, First of all, I already have a contest I'm doing where I'm trying uh, – anybody advise the book or refers people – Wait, wait, wait. Go Hold ahead. on. Let me interrupt you just for a split second. Our topic is going to be about contests. Do you want to lead into our topic? Absolutely. This or, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, okay, no, no. This, 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 I'm using That's what this I thought you were doing. I just want to make sure. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing, I'm doing this contest where uh, anybody that orders the book or refers people to order the book – 
get uh, raffle entries and I'm going to pick someone at random to uh, to use as an extra in the book. I'm going to use their name and likeness and then kill them um, because <laughs> it's a horror book. And so I'm, I'm doing this contest, this one contest, and I'm, then I'm doing these kind of sub contests for people who support, um, for people who are writers on Inkshares. If you can get me 10, more, 10 or more pre-orders, I, I will uh, offer to help you design your cover or I will better read your book, whichever you choose. Um, basically just offering my services uh, to, to whatever talents I have. For those of you who are not authors on Inkshares, if you bring me 10, more, 10 or more pre-orders, I will, I will do you do a, uh, an original piece of artwork, a sketch of whatever item or character from either of my two books, uh, Life, uh, The Life Engineered or A God in the Shed, and I will sign and send that to you, original artwork. So I'm, you're talking about contests. I, I'm, I'm expanding a bit beyond contests and going into incentives and trying to sort of create that. I'm also reaching out to other people to try to get other things going. Now, the whole point, and this is where we can consider this maybe a bit of a tangent. The reason why I'm so desperate to get A God in the Shed to that other level of publication is not – there's the personal reasons, which are I believe that God in the Shed is a more ambitious project than Life Engineered was and requires a bit more serious editing. There's also the ego thing, but let's not talk about that. It makes me look good, look bad. Look good. Bad, good, bad. 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 Was... No, 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 bad, bad. <laughs> Makes me look like an egotist. You know, it, I, 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 whatever. So the, the whole point, <laughs> the, the external reasons is I've very much, and maybe I'm not active enough into it, but I'm, I'm more of a loud mouth about it. But I really want to see Inkshares become a lot more of a marketplace. And for this, I want to encourage... First of all, I want to encourage authors to not use Inkshares just as a launch pad for their career. And the um, oh, I can't remember her name. She wrote One Murder More. Oh, yeah. Um, Chris. Oh, my gosh. What's her name? Chris Calvin. Yes. So, Chris Calvin. So Chris Calvin, uh, basically, she, she wrote a very successful book, One Murder More, that was published on Inkshares. And if, it's my understanding that she was offered to publish a, her next book somewhere else, but decided no to stay with Inkshares. That is what I want to see. Because if all the really talented authors like Chris just use Inkshares as a launchpad, Inkshares is not going to do well in the long run. Inkshares needs to be able to keep a stable of successful and increasingly successful authors to help get visibility for the the, 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 the new authors like us and also to mm-hmm. you know finance themselves, I guess. So I want to see more books get a second, like more authors get a second book financed on Inkshares. And I want to encourage, and this is why there's, there, there are many avenues I could have turned towards to look for new, uh, to, for new readers. And I tend to favor going to other writers because I want to foster this idea of convincing our readers to not just come for our book, but to come for our book and stay and shop for other things. And... Right now, I'm, I mean, I'm totally doing this in the most selfish possible way. It's like, hey, I want to get your readers to look at my book. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely 100% self-serving. But at the same time, I want to turn around and do the same thing. 
I want to, and it's, it is what we're doing here with Right Brain, where we're trying to get, like, put other books, look at other books and say, hey, look at this book, look at that book. Here's basically turning part of our podcast into a catalog of available books so that people are not, they don't just come support their buddy's book and then leave and never come back. Because we need, we need more than that. We need, we need this to be a marketplace for upcoming books. I totally agree. And um, that's a good segue um, into, well, you know, it's a good beginning to our, our, our topic today. Uh, the topic that we have chosen today is um, co- contest during campaigning. And, and we really kind of, you know, took a second and stepped back and we're, we were like, well, what is it that we can do to help people that are still campaigning? Because as you know, with any campaigning kind of thing, um, lots of people will not necessarily reach the goal that they're trying to achieve. So part of the reason that we do this podcast is to help people get to where they want to be. Because like JF said, we want to make a marketplace here where you can come here and shop around where it's like, um, I think Jeremy um, usually says something like, uh, make it like a, um, a fruit stand or a vegetable stand where you bring your vegetables and then people come and shop around, at, you know, and find everything they need in one spot. Not just one person coming and buying their friend's tomatoes, you know what I mean? And then going and buying your whatever somewhere else. But um, that's what the goal is here. Um, so this kind of goes out to anyone still campaigning, especially now that we have a, a new contest, the new contest with Geek and Sundry and the hard sci-fi um, contest that's going on right now, uh, which just started, uh, what was it, a couple of, maybe a week ago now, April, early April, something, April 4th or something, I don't know. But um, it has not been long. No, it hasn't been long. So we're hoping that uh, that um, those those people will go back and maybe listen to our previous podcast and see if they can have some some uh, get, uh, generate some ideas to help them along. So we we thought um, maybe contest, which I've been seeing more and more uh, on Inkshare, has been getting more and more uh, updates about contests and things. I thought it would be a good topic to to touch on. So JF says his are more like incentive based as his contests, but there are some other ones that are more pure contests. Like um, for example, uh, uh, Amanda Baldwin, for example. Uh, she's doing a contest with the Traveler's Cup um, where she's giving, uh, going to give away some stuff that I obviously I can't remember apparently. You could always go to go check her, her latest, well, not latest update. That's what I'm actually she, doing. Like trying, trying moments do. ago, she released some new content. Oh, really? During the podcast. Wow. She's on top of things. But, um, you know, so uh, for example, she's going to be um, releasing the theme song to that she works with with the Traveler's Cup um that you know something that goes along cuz she's a musician too so that see that's not fair <laughs> I don't do music I can't compete with that No I'm really eager I you know what I've known Amanda for years I've never heard any of her music Oh wow so that might be a, a something neat so it's when she gets 300 orders she wants to release that So I kind of see what she's doing as a more of a um almost like an incentive type of thing as well um but uh, when I know when Dax Harrison was funding, Tony did something where every so many um, pre-orders, he did a drawing where he um, gave away a mug from like with the with the Dax Harrison 
cover on it or, you know, temporary cover or whatever it was. And, you know, it's just a little driving behind that to get some people interested, I think. And, uh, you know, there's some there's been many different ways. I know when I was funding Ageless that uh, I, I had my current draft printed for, from one of these one off sites where you can get two or three copies, you know, or whatever. Um, so I had the current draft printed out and I gave that away. You know, I did a drawing um, when we got to X amount of whatever. I did a drawing, a random drawing, and I gave away two copies of that um, during my contest. In fact, one of them, one of the people actually happened to be local. The other one was not local. So um, I got to go and, and sign it for them. and They were excited. And, you know, that kind of drives uh, them to tell somebody else. That's kind of what I think that these contests are, are for. So um, now here's the thing, though, like. In your opinion, JF, since you're doing some, kind of some something similar, like an incentive thing, has it helped you out that you are aware of at least? I'll be honest. Here's here's my situation. I I'm having trouble determining, and I'm I'm big into tracking uh, things like that because as a guy who works in marketing, tracking the success of marketing campaigns and marketing efforts and advertisement is super important to your job. I have seen a very, very little uptick of things when I do contests. There is some, but it is not commensurate to the amount of effort to do the contest itself. Now, the latest incentives that I've done are also a bit difficult to measure because I am fairly confident that the people who jumped up to volunteer to help would have done so with equal enthusiasm had I put an incentive or not, just because they're that kind of people. Uh, to give an example of a common uh, friend and, and uh, so quote-unquote colleague of ours, the fact that I put an incentive to ask John Robbins to help me promote my book in its last weeks, I don't think has any impact on his enthusiasm because he's John Robbins and he's, he's just a cool guy who likes to help and is all about the community. Yeah. Yeah. So th that makes that makes his reaction really hard to measure whether or not it's it has anything to do with the fact <laughs> that I'm offering things. So that's true. You know, it's I, I believe it's worth doing because it makes noise. I right. I don't believe that one should rely mostly or exclusively on that. Like I might have too much variety, like too many contests and incentives, and I should have focused on just a few big things instead like of a bunch of small things. Well, you know, honestly, it, it's hard to tell what's going to work. You know, it's hard to tell what's going to work. Like um, back to Amanda and the Traveler's Cup, since I'm still here on this page, she's she's got, when she gets fully funded, she says she wants to record a full audiobook version of of the story. And I can tell you, because I did that. I've done that for people. There's a lot of work involved in something like that. And I'm talking about more work than it ends up being worth for a lot of a lot of times. You know what I mean? Um, when you're Wait, doing are something you, on are your you trying own. To say, are you trying to back out of me asking you to uh, do the, the audio book for, uh, for God in the Shed if it gets funded? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I am absolutely not. So or, what are you saying? At $750, you are going to force me to audio book and that will be an incentive for everybody? At seven fifty, I am ringing your door, kidnapping you, and having you record the. Uh, I mean, it's a horror book, so if you do it from the bottom of a of a dank cave, 
Um, it'll it, be perfect. It, it'll add authenticity. Like the, the, the tremor in your voice <laughs> will help uh, with the atmosphere. I think it'll work. And, and you're cracking a whip somewhere behind me, right? No, no, no. That'll no, be no, on the no, audio. No, no, nothing, nothing to damage the audio. Oh, nothing. Okay, yeah, you're right. The audio I, needs I to be pure. I may hook you up to a car battery. We'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that out. So um, I'm not saying that like it's not a great reward, but I'm saying that I'm not. I don't know a lot about how long her book is, other than what it says here, which I just don't remember. 172 page space opera. I mean, you're talking about a lot of time in into that. I mean, because just with the sample chapters that I did with for a lot of people last summer. Um, each one takes just the amount of time to read. And then if you mess up, you have to either re-record or edit out the, the mess ups. And then you're talking about getting it out there somehow to people, which is time involved, uploading it onto things. I, I chose YouTube, but I mean, whatever, um, that by itself is, is time consuming just doing that. I mean, now a lot of times you kind of look at these prizes and you say, Hey, are they, are they worth the time that you put in? But you mentioned John Robin, I'm getting a little off of what I wanted to say. You mentioned John Robin. Now he did, he did some contests or is doing some contest things too. Like the, um, you purchase X amount and you become, um, a dragon or the name of one of the houses in, in blood dawn. And uh, I think that's an interesting concept. And it was so interesting, in fact, that the um, model for Ink Shares was adjusted a little bit for him, specifically for him. He, I think he reached out and asked, hey, can we do this? Can I have these things? Because as it stands, you have your e-book, e-book option, you have the single book option, and you have the um, three book option, or you know, three to ten, I guess is what it is. Um, and they have different little things, for example, you know, your name in the back of the book, signed copies, the ebook drafts, you know what I'm saying? So um, he actually went above and beyond that and asked them to expand. Um, and now I think we're getting into the territory when you do that and you have all these incentives um, and, and these kind of contests, we're getting into the territory that like what Kickstarter does and is sort of, you know what I mean? But but I, I believe you sort Which of Which is not need, a bad thing necessarily. No, no. I in, in fact I believe that is somewhat necessary because that's what's expected of crowdfunding. Um because of things like Kickstarter, you know. So Yeah. It's well the thing is is it creates it's kind of an arms race to a certain degree where at, at first Kickstarter you didn't have that many things like that until one company started doing more of it and then everybody started to start to expect it, and then another company one up to that those guys and then that became the new benchmark and we're we are going to see something like that i mean inkshares is an evolving platform and it we whenever one of us finds a recipe that works we're going other authors are going to imitate that part of the recipe and it's going to be uh, it's going to get added to sort of the uh, the instruction manual on how to run a successful inkshares campaign I mean, in a way, we're lucky because we're early to this platform. But in another way, we're not because this is new territory. This is we're, we're we're learning as we go, and we're inventing how to run these campaigns. We can't look to Patreon. We can't look to Kickstarter exact as exact models to imitate because Inkshares isn't crowdfunding. It's crowd voting. It's right. It's and and we. The, 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 I should say, we're promoting first and foremost the idea of supporting an author, not getting a trinket or a keychain. Not that we shouldn't include it or explore the idea of including it. Like, for example, I want for every copy of, of God in the Shed, 
when I go to another reason why I want to go sign them is if I go sign them, I can add a bookmark to each of these copies. And I want to do that. But that's that's an add-on. That's a bonus for people who pre-order. Right. And the add-ons, if you want to call them that, are... And this is just my opinion, and I'm just kind of making this up on the spot, but it's it kind of seems like that it could get to a point where you reach this uh, critical mass, you know what I mean? And you get to a point and you're like, okay, so what, what is too much? And like, why is the, why isn't the content driving it? You know, instead of coming here for, I mean, I see that in, I mean, this is a possibility, like what happens when the content is no longer driving it, but it's all these extras and add-ons that are driving that you're driving force. Like people would rather get a, I don't know, a t-shirt or, or an MP3 or the audiobook instead of actually getting the actual book, which is the main driving force of the content. Now that de- it depends on, I who have you are. been give, I have been giving this some thought and the conclusion hit me in the head pretty hard. Okay. Here's why I don't think that the trinkets and add-ons will ever outweigh the actual book. At least not for new authors like you or I. Okay. Why would anybody want a t-shirt or bookmark or mug of a bad book? Okay. That makes sense. People will encourage book. They they want the add-on because they want, they think the book is good and they want more out of it. But if the book was bad, you, the add-ons, if they're only promotional products that reflect the book, have no value if the book doesn't have value itself. So I get you. So they're they're not coming here for your brand necessarily in the beginning. Not yet. Now, to be honest, like if uh, say J.K. Rowling decided to fund a book on InkShares, which would fund in pr- approximately two seconds, um, yeah. obviously in the in a, in a situation like that, people would uh, they, they would sign up to just get the signed bookmark. Like they wouldn't care about the book. They'd want the signed trinket or the gimmick or the, 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 the promotional item. But right. he, here's the tipping point. The moment that people are only showing up to your Ink Shares campaign to get the gimmicks because your name is strong enough that those gimmicks have worth outside of the, the, the context of the book, you would fund anyways. True. So, so I mean, you would you would if you were in that situation, like the J.K. Rowling um, example. No, exactly. I mean, you would. And any anybody. I don't that, know. I just think that it, it has potential to be like a, a dangerous line here. Like, then it becomes, what are we doing here? Like, are we doing books? Are we just doing like, well, here have this junk that goes along with the book, and the well, book is hey, secondary. Here's the other tipping point. But I agree with what you said. It Let's, won't be like that for someone like us. Exactly. And here's the other tipping point. The, the, I would say the, the, the parallel to that. Let's say that someone has incentives that are just really cool. Like for every book that you get, you get a Steam code or something, whatever. Something that makes it that the value of the bonus outweighs the value of the book independent of the context of the book. That author would be better off not funding on ink shares keeping the money that they are because people are going to look at the value like, okay, I'm spending $20, but I'm getting $30 worth of something else than the book. Well, that $30 value comes out of the author's pockets. 
he might as well just take that money and go to a self-publishing company and get his book self-published that way. It's simpler and a lot, sorry, a lot less tiring and there's no hoops to jump through. But it could be seen that this is a more legitimate publishing. Because honestly, Inkshares is a more legitimate publishing, at least in my opinion, and probably everyone's opinion. Absolutely. However, if you're the guy that's giving away that that's giving away thirty dollars of merchandise for every twenty dollar order, you're damaging your own legit, legitimacy independent of the platform that you're on. I like this discussion. <laughs> so, I do. so, so basically, to put it in in in, a, in my own perspective, I don't. If someone does show up and he's giving away, I don't know watches or he's giving away they're giving away like high-end gaming mice or electronic equipment like really expensive stuff for every order not contest but every order you order my book you can toss in the garbage what you're getting as a bonus is worth more anyways i'm not competing with this guy this I'm, i'm not even on the same theoretical platform we're both trying to publish on ink shares but we're clearly not trying to publish books the same way or the same kind of books so I don't feel that we're in the same universe as this kind of person. And I, I doubt that we will see that kind of person on Inkshares anyways. I doubt it too. It's, it's hypothetical. It's an exercise that needs to be done. Like it's, it's a good thought exercise. I just don't believe that, that's, that, that we're going to see or have to deal with that anytime soon. So contests, is it helping your campaign or is it not that's kind of the the all the overarching question here do you um do you listeners not not you jf but do do you listeners think that has helped it has helped you what has it helped you accomplish is it something that you think that is sustainable because sometimes the contests aren't sustainable because if we go back to um for example uh uh dax harrison uh, Tony's giving away mugs. This is money coming out of his pocket, like JF was talking about. Are you spending more than you are bringing in? Because obviously, you're not bringing anything if your campaign doesn't fund um, either to Quill or the full goal. I mean, so you're, uh, it's just essentially a gamble. Is it worth it? Is it something that uh, you think will help you in the long run? These are all questions that, you know, we don't have clear answers to because everybody is different and everybody's campaign is different. Everybody's book is different. Everybody's um, incentives are different. So, you know, you try your hand. I can say that, uh, like JF said, his his particular incentives are hard to determine whether they are, are um, really um, helping yet or not because they are a little bit different than, say, like a mug from, from Dax Harrison, you know? They're a different kind of incentive. They're a different kind of um, contest. And uh, maybe John Robin with his um, with his uh, incentives, maybe they were extra helpful. That's something that John only knows. And maybe he doesn't even know for sure at this point. But I would, I'd be willing to bet because John is such a big part of the community that they were helpful for him. And I, I'd be willing to bet yours with the, uh, I don't know what you're calling it, but kill someone <laughs> contest or whatever i mean I, incentives I, I call it the i want to kill you kill you campaign yeah, <laughs> and i you, you know what's weird is of, of all the stuff i'm doing I, I can't wait to be done with the campaign just so i can contact the winner and say all right let's talk about your murder exactly now are you gonna let them um how much input are you gonna let them have do you think 
Uh, for the murder, probably not much. What I'm the he, he, if we want to look at it, basically what I want to know is like, okay, uh, what name do you want to use? Like in case you don't want to use your own name, um, how do you want to describe yourself physically? Do you want me to use your actual description, or do you, do you is there something else that you would like to to play with? Um, and then the, the last one is any way you don't want to die. <laughs> are yeah. there any things that you that you particularly fear or are sort of triggers for you? Because I mean, if someone's parents got died, you know got killed in a in, in a weed thresher, I don't want to repeat that for them in the book by mistake. Yeah, no, that would no. be bad for everyone involved. Traumatizing, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, and and I basically I want like their impression and also like. <laughs> How do you feel about being killed in the boat? What are we looking for? <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm eager for that. Oh, and there is there is one contest, specific contest I am doing, and um, I'm I'm still working on the details, but I'm I'm going to bring it up right now just for fun. Yeah, do it. So I've been talking to uh, a buddy about basically putting together a um, a leather bound version of a God in the Shed when it gets published. I'm basically going to, I'm going to take five books. I'm going to send it to him. I'm going to say, put these in a leather bound, uh, letter binding. And he's going to send them back to me. And then in on, on some of the blank pages that are inevitable on these books, I am going to write five unique, different, in-character notes, little short notes oh, that's cool. from a particular character in the story. And each of the books is going to be different. And each of these notes is going to reveal a a secret or plot point or something in that book, unique to that note. And how do I get into this contest? Come on. Basically, I am going to don't tell I'm, me and then take it away from me. Come on. I, I want am, this. I am keeping one <laughs> of these books for myself. Of course. Um, I am keeping two for other promotions. And I'm basically I'm going to be giving out two to some of my best supporters in the uh, that 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 have helped bring God in the Shed to 750 pre-orders. So I'm going to look at like maybe the, the, the five or 10. I haven't decided on the, the specifics, but basically it's going to be based on the people who have brought in the most uh, pre-orders. Uh, not necessarily their own, but their referrals and things like that. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them that, that book and that book is going to cost me a fortune, but it's going to look gorgeous because the guy I'm working with is super talented. He's a, I, I, he doesn't know I'm going to hire him yet, but his name is Joseph Gates, and he does some letter working stuff, and he's just brilliant. Fantastic! That's awesome. I'd like to get uh, you know, since um, we're we published with Ink Shares, and we uh, visibility was uh, at least for me my biggest my biggest draw here. You know, rather than you know big sales, I uh, opted with the paperback. Um, version, which at that point we had a choice. I think now there isn't much, there's not a choice. Is that how it works now? I don't know. I haven't started a campaign in a long time. So I, I haven't started one in a while. I will be starting a new one in about two months, but we're not there yet. Uh, so anyway, I chose the paperback version over the hardback. I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to get at least one copy of Ageless for myself in a, in a hardbound version. Which, so if you know anywhere like that, tweet, tweet us, you know, so I can maybe get some get something done. And I know, I'm sure that you'd probably like to see the life engineered hardbound or um, leather bound. I, maybe I, I haven't given it that much thought. Like to, to be honest, once it got, <laughs> once it got funded and published and I, I kind of stopped thinking about it and started thinking about the next thing. Like I'm 90% done, um, pre-ordering, uh, writing the first draft of, uh, 
of the sequel for Life Engineered, and that that's been my focus. I haven't given that much thought to the uh, to the first book. Well, for me, Ageless is right around the corner, so I'm giving that all. Yeah, yeah, no, no, thought, you're, you're 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 in a completely different mindset than I am right now. You're you're man, you're in the exciting parts. And you know what the funny thing is is like that's what I I think for me at least that what part of the appeal of doing this together is that we are in separate spots and like we have you know like you're you're somewhere and then I'll be there in like you know usually a month behind you or something like that so uh we could talk about it in as different sections that's one thing that I really liked like at at this point you have already released and you've been um uh what day did you re- on the 1st right March 1st so March, it's been a uh, month yeah yeah, it's, it's been, been a little, a little more than a month. Yeah. And so, you know, you're seeing different things happen um, from that perspective than I am right now being almost a month out or mm-hmm. just under a month out from the actual publication date. But um, so I think that's that brings us to pretty much the end here, uh, JF, of another fantastic episode of Right Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I will like to take uh, just a second and say that. Um, there is an opportunity for right brain to perhaps get recognized um, f- on um, a website called podcastawards.com. Have you heard of this website, JF? Oh, yes, I have. I'm sure you have. So, so all, all, all of my uh, all of my, my buddies, listeners, if you're from the uh, if you're from the Tadpole or Diamond Club, you know the podcast awards, don't you? Wink. <laughs> so, um, if you, I'm not sure when the uh, I don't. I don't know much about the submission process or anything like that. Yeah. But if you enjoy, process our, is basically um, someone needs to needs to nominate the podcast, and then uh, people go and vote. I, I'd have to check how they're doing it this year. Last year they were doing it different. Um, okay. Basically, everybody could go vote once a day, and uh, let's just say an industrious group of like-minded individuals that are part of a very active community could potentially build a slate of podcasts. And encourage their community to go vote once a day, and uh, right, and, swe- right. and sweep the awards. Uh, I'm assuming that's what happened last year, possibly. It could be. <laughs> well, so um, I mean, wh- you... one could even say that the same guy walked up to get seven awards. Seriously, for real, seven? Wow. Well, if you're enjoying our podcast and you'd like to maybe nominate us, please feel free. Uh, apparently, the um, nominations open on April 15th, and we're recording this a few days before a- April 15th. But if you'd like to nominate us, that would probably not hurt our feelings, I don't think. I, I could speak for JF here, I'm pretty sure. And maybe we could walk up and take away seven awards, although it sounds like that they have changed the rules a little bit from this they, year. They, they have changed the rules. Um, I don't think a single... like. The, the circumstances that made it one that one person could go pick up seven awards was because that person represented several people from the same podcast network and, and communities. So he he was there representing others. He wasn't picking them up for himself. Yeah, sure he wasn't. He took them all home, and the, no one ever saw them again. Right? Maybe <laughs> that's possible. Yeah. So uh, that might be pretty cool if you, like I said, if you're enjoying this, just maybe check it out. That's podcastawards.com. If you want to nominate, uh, please do, and uh, maybe, maybe um, you know, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll um, walk away with an award or at least a nomination would be nice, right? So um, JF. God in the shed. You really want to hit that mark. Tell us about how to find it and help you fund it. 
and maybe a little bit about your social media presence and The Life Engineered. Let's not forget about that because it's still a fantastic book and it's still available out there for everyone's enjoyment. Absolutely. So, so here's here's what uh, what you're going to do, guys. You're going to go to bit.ly slash God in the shed on one word, and you're going to pre-order the book. If you have already pre-ordered the book, what you're going to do is you're going to find someone in your immediate vicinity, a friend, a f- family member, anything, and you're going to force them at knife point, not gunpoint. I'm from Canada. You're going to force them at <laughs> knife point to pre-order a copy for themselves so on and so forth until we get the, the, the last remaining 195 pre-orders that we need to get this published at the proper level. And then from that point on, after you're done with that, nothing else matters until you've done that. But once you've done that, then you can go to jfdubo.com slash books. You can read about some of the incentives that I've got for, for that project, but you can also look at uh, links for, uh, for The Life Engineered, which is my science fiction book, which is reviewing very well on Amazon. People seem to like it. I've gotten a few threats about making a sequel, and I, I, will, I am working on that. So it's, yeah, so apparently things are happening. How about you, Paul? Paul, Ageless is coming out. Where, what can people do to make sure that when it comes out, it comes out with a bang, not a whisper, not a whimper, but a, a complete explosion of, of joy and support. Well, I guess, first of all, the first thing you could do is, um, if you have not backed it, you could go to uh, inkshares.com and you could find it on there just by using their newest search features. Just type in Ageless or my name, Paul Inman, or you could go to Amazon and, and pre-order, or you could go to Barnes & Noble, booksamillion.com, any of those websites, and pre-order a, a copy of Ageless if you would like. And once you get your copy, here's the thing, like read the book, okay? Because I'm gonna need your help putting some reviews on Amazon and Goodreads, and we really want to help get this scene, I guess, you know, increase the visibility. And reviews are gold. Reviews are gold. They are the thing that help people find it better, okay? So if you are someone who is really, really like into um, ink shares and you want to see this whole thing be successful, the next step is helping um, Ageless be successful, just like you've done with The Life Engineered and you've done with um, Unattractive Vampire and... Um, the glorious Derek Adams uh, book about dragons, you know, and asteroids or whatever. That one, you it's know. A, I hear it's, it's a documentary about both asteroids and dragons. And uh, yes, it it's is. very informative, narrated by David Attenborough, as all things are. It's, it's the best. <laughs> Cinematography by Ken Burns. There you go. <laughs> That's funny, Ken Burns. And so anyway, um, go to Amazon and leave a review. Goodreads, you know, just copy and paste the same review. Even if it is, I like it. I kind of like it. I don't know if I liked it. Um, I gave three copies to a friend and they all liked it. That's fine. Leave a review, honest review. And I think I'm with JF. If it's going to be less than maybe three or four stars or four or five stars, Contact me directly on my website, paulinmansc.com, P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N.com, where you can see all the crazy things that I like to create, as well as links to Ageless and um, the other book that I have funding, which I have not pushed at all. And I got an email about from someone um, on Inkshares, a direct message, I should say, because those are a thing now. And it said, how come this book is not going better? And my response was, hey, you know, Ageless and work, and life, and et cetera, et cetera. I haven't pushed it as much as I should have. 
there it is. That's the truth, guys. So anyway, um, follow me on Twitter at paulinmansc.com. Or no, no, sorry. Twitter at paulinmansc, P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N-S-C. And the same thing for Instagram if you want to do that, which JF is now a part of Instagram is what I hear anyway. Yeah. So, I, but, I you, but we I don't mean, care. A God in the shed. That. We don't care. A God yes, in the shed exactly. is all we care about. <laughs> that, so, that is the sole focus. This is what you need to live and love. Don't look for JF Dubot on anything except for look for a God in the shed. But so anyway, um, or you can also follow the Right Brain Podcast on Twitter where sometimes I tweet things and uh, sometimes people tweet back. And uh, yeah, so that's um, at right brain underscore um, W-R-I-T-E-B-R-A-I-N underscore. JF, anything else? No, I'm done. I'm, I'm Before we get shed, out of here. Gone to shed, gone to shed. Ageless, ageless, gone to shed. Yeah. Um, I'm excited, actually. By the time that we do our next podcast, you will probably be reading Ageless, and I will probably be pulling what's left of my hair out with my, my anxiety. So... Um, I've, yeah. I've already read Ageless, so whatever. Yeah, not you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. You know, oh, no, the I'm collective just... them. They. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? So uh, anyway, um, yeah, so I guess that's it. It wraps up um, episode 19. That means the next time, JF, that we come together, we will have be working on 20th episode. Anything special? Are we having a contest for the 20th episode? No, we are not. But we might. I'm going to get a couple of copies of Ageless. Maybe I'll give give away one to someone who wants it. Sound fair? I think we could do that. I'll give you a copy. And I will even let JF sign it. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. All right, we're done, people. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week on Right Brain. <laughs>